Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. And uh, we trust you're enjoying the Word of God as it flows from the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've been teaching for over a hundred and some weeks on uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, it, you, will, you can actually go and order uh, the CD of the first two segments of the book of Revelation from our ministry. It's on our website, and you can order that. We'll release the third one when it's finished to be able to share with you all of the audio from this. But let me also say to you that if you'd like to go back and view uh, the videos that we've done for the hundred and some programs, you can go to our YouTube page, and uh, everything we have aired to date is archived there, so you can watch this whole entire series that I've taught on the book of Revelation. Just go to YouTube and type in my name, or that you might have life, the name of this program, and our channel will come up. Uh, you can share these with your friends. I, I appreciate it when you share them on Facebook. Uh, uh, share it with your friends. It helps us to get the word out about our ministry. Also, uh, there are several churches that have been using these uh, videos to teach. Like they will have a one, they will play one uh, program in a 30-minute segment in their Wednesday evening service or in their home groups, and then have discussion on it. We're not trying to get you to believe everything exactly like we do, but uh, we can only tell you what we think God said to us. And then you have the. Uh, human prerogative to eat the grapes and spit out the seeds. I'm sure the Spirit of God can witness truth to your heart. I've found sometimes over the years in my ministry that sometimes truth makes you mad before it makes you free. And I'm certain whenever some of you have heard some of the things that uh, we've shared at the first, it, 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 it absolutely offends the religious carnal mind. But uh, once you really begin to hear it, it will make you free and bring a real rejoicing in your heart. We're going to move into the fifth segment out of Revelation 21. We've already aired four programs on this. We've already dealt with the new heaven and the new earth. I want to get to another segment of it today if we possibly can. But I want to read it. it. says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. The first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Here's the verse I want to put a great emphasis on today in this segment. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that's a thirst of the fountain, of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his son. Uh, I will be his God. He'll be my son. But the fearful, unbelieving, and abominable murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the last seven plagues, talk with me, saying, Come hither, I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now, uh, before I get into that segment of it, I want to just come back reiterate just a little bit that we have shared that uh, the beginning of the book of Revelation, John says, Come and see, come and see. The latter part of Revelation, he says, And I saw, and I saw. We showed you already that the new heaven and the earth, new earth are the replacing of the old covenant 
the Old Covenant Israel, the Old Covenant Jerusalem, the Old Covenant uh, uh, Tabernacle, all of these have become new. In other words, God moved out of the physical and into the dimension of the Spirit where all things are becoming new. The old creation, I showed you how that even connected clear back to Adam. Adam was an old creation. Jesus was the first begotten of a brand new species or a new creation. Uh, the new creation, the new heaven, and the new earth. We've already dealt with that, so I'm not going to do a whole lot with that in this particular segment except to reiterate that it's dealing with moving from an old covenant paradigm into a new covenant. And as I begin to think about this, uh, as I begin to think about uh, this particular uh, part of uh, the book of Revelation, uh, it really began to, some time ago, uh, I began to be stirred in my spirit where the Lord said in Revelation 21, let him that's thirsty come and take of the water of life without cost or freely. And the Holy Spirit said this to me, and I, I did a series um, that you can get from our ministry titled, There's Something in the Water. It's probably my newest series that we've just released. You can actually uh, call the number on the screen and order that series. And what the Holy Spirit says to me was, He said, tell my people they got a drinking problem. <laughs> and I said, okay, Lord, and what are you saying to me? He said, "There, what they drink, what they drink from is what was causing the weeping. What they drink from in the new covenant is what will cause the weeping to stop. Now, when I think about that they can drink of the water of life freely, several places in the Scriptures, it talks about, Jesus said, that he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He, he tells the woman at the well, he, as he comes to the well of Jacob, he sits down on the well and he says to her, give me to drink. And she says, Lord, uh, the well is deep, and I have nothing to draw with. And Jesus says to her, Listen, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that speaketh unto thee, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. And uh, Jesus then, she says, to, uh, she says, Lord, then give me to drink. And He says, Go call your husband. And she says, Well, Lord, I've had five, and the one I'm with is not my or, or no, no, she says, or Jesus says to her, uh, when she says, Go, He says, Go call your husband. She says, Lord, I don't have one. He said, you've said well, because you've had five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And so what he's simply, uh, si simply saying to her is that when you come to the well of Jacob, you're coming to a well that you're going to get thirsty again and again and again and again. You see, pleasure without satisfaction is addiction. And so when you come to the well of Jacob, the well of, if you will, uh, that old fallen nature, and you drink from that well, you're never going to be satisfied. And what this woman had done was she'd been through five husbands, and the one she was with was not her husband. That's six. If you think about uh, the six-day man, you think about Adam created on the sixth day, she was drinking from a well of an Adamic nature. Even the word Jacob has to do with the idea of before he became Israel, that well of the old fallen nature will never satisfy the deep longing in your soul. But what Jesus does is He offers her a drink of something, and He says to her, if you'll drink of this, you will never thirst again. And I think what He's saying is not maybe so much that you'll never get thirsty for water. What He's saying is you're not going to thirst 
for the same things you've had an appetite for up to this point. The unsatisfactory things of life are not coming from waters that flow from the well of Jacob or from your fallen nature, but the water that I'm going to give you is going to be a water that will satisfy you. Uh, I can't help but think even of uh, the children of Israel when they came up out of the wilderness, uh, or when they came up out of Egypt, one of their first stops was in the wilderness of sin. That's not an accident that is called the wilderness of sin. And the water there became bitter. And when the water became bitter, uh, the people began to chide against Moses, and the Bible said, and God showed Moses a tree. And when he put the tree in the water, the water became sweet. Now that to me is a very powerful picture of the cross, because we will drink from the waters of human failure, uh, from the waters of human fallen nature, and they will produce bitterness. They'll produce weeping and uh, gnashing of teeth, if you will. But when we drink, when we put the tree in the water, when we apply the cross, and we drink from a fountain, and I think it's interesting that in Revelation 22, and I'm probably jumping way ahead of myself, but this river that's pure, that's clear as a crystal, is flowing from a slain lamb. It's flowing out of the revelation of the death of Christ, because out of His redemptive work, there is a river whereof the streams make glad the city of God. And when we start to drink from those wells of salvation, it begins to wipe the tears off of our face. And this woman, Jesus says to her, or she says to Jesus, give me to drink. And when she gives him, he gives her to drink, she goes into the city and says, come see a man that told me all that I ever did. And all the city went out to him. Because I believe people are thirsty for something more than rules. People are thirsty for something more than religion. It has not satisfied. People are looking for a real encounter with a real living water that can flow, that can cause you to lose your appetite for the things of the world. And I don't know where you're at with that, but something in my spirit cries out, Lord, give me to drink of this water. But as I begin to think about this water uh, that, uh, that uh, will cause tears to be wiped from our eyes, the Lord began to say to me out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse number 1 through 4, says, so the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now this is Actually, the scripture Jesus first preached in the temple and his first public message, he's quoting Isaiah, but I'm reading it from the book of Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are about to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn in Zion. I think that's powerful, all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Interestingly enough, when we get into chapter number 22 of Revelation, there are some trees that are there that are for the healing of the nations. I submit to you that they are the trees of righteousness that God's people have become and that the planning of the Lord that He might be glorified. And they shall build the old way places, and they shall raise up the former desolations, that they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. Uh, everything in, uh, in, in, in that old covenant had to do with the curse. You know, in other words, uh, part of the curse was you are going to weep, you're going to mourn, but in the book of Revelation, God is wiping the tears from our eyes simply by partaking 
of the right water that we need to partake of. Now, uh, one of the things I want you to see, I want to go uh, with that thought, we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes to a very, very familiar portion of Scripture uh, that actually there was a song that was written from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's very famous, but and it's also used many times at a funeral. But I saw some things here that I think are incredibly powerful that I want to share with you today. Uh, verse number 1 says, Ecclesiastes, uh, this is chapter 3, verse 1, To everything there's a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. But watch this scripture. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Now remember, in Ecclesiastes, there's time to live and there's time to die, time to lose and there's time to get, time to plant and time to reap and time to weep and a time to mourn. Uh, the question I'm going to ask you is, what time is it? Uh, what time are you living in? Because when you step into God's time, everything is beautiful in His time. Uh, and I'll get into the details of exactly what that means in just a moment. He has also set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. Now, I want to just make, take my time and work with this. Just He has made everything beautiful in His time. He also has set the world. This word world is the Hebrew word olam. It is the English word, or, or is the Greeks translate this word olam in the New Covenant as age. So it literally could be read, God has put the olam or the age in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord began to say to me that the reason, uh, God, in other words, God has made everything beautiful in His time, but the problem has been that the age that has been in men's hearts that have kept them from finding out the work that God did from the beginning to the end. See, He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But the reason they're on this roller coaster ride of there's time to kill and time to heal, there's time for war, there's time for peace, there's time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, is because they're on a roller coaster ride of an old covenant age and they've not found out the work that God has already finished from the beginning to the end. He goes on to say, I know that there's no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor, it's the gift of God. But I know that whatever God does, it will be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it, and God does it that men should fear before Him. That which has been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requires that which is past. And I begin to look into this scripture, and I begin to think in terms of this old covenant, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit took me to Matthew 5, where Jesus was teaching again the Beatitudes, and He's introducing the kingdom and the new covenant, and they are what we call the Beatitudes, or literally attitudes you need to be in. 
And what really opened the scripture to me was when uh, Jesus stood up, Matthew 5, verse 4, and he said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And all of a sudden, I begin to see that the olam, or the age, that's in the hearts of these people in Ecclesiastes that keeps them on a roller coaster ride of time to mourn and time to heal is that if you are locked in an old covenant paradigm, if you have the old covenant olam or age in your heart, then you've not been able to get a revelation of the work that God finished from the beginning to the end. And what he goes on to say in this book of Ecclesiastes is that which is going to be that which hath been is now, and that which is to be has already been. Say it another way. Our future is determined by something that's already been accomplished. It's interesting that he makes the statement in Revelation 21, it is done. I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm going to wipe every tear from off of all faces. You're going to drink of the water of life without cost. It is done. He begins to declare, it's finished. So the finished work is what God See, under the book of Ecclesiastes, they weren't able to find out the work that God had already finished. They didn't know anything about He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But in the New Testament, they've come into the season where now uh, that which hath been, what? The cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has took everything we had coming under the curse of the weeping and wailing and the tears and all of the stuff that was uh, was coming upon mankind because of the curse of the law, that in the new covenant, Revelation 21, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, so it's not time for us to weep or mourn. It's time to be comforted. And all of a sudden, I begin to, uh, I hope that's making sense to you, is that He's requiring of us what is past. A revelation of the finished work, the revelation that it is done, is going to get you to move out of this roller coaster ride of losing and gaining. And all of a sudden, I put up two, uh, two columns in my notes. On the, on, on the left hand, I put what happens under the Old Covenant is it's time to die. On this column, I put from Ecclesiastes, it's time to die. In the right column, I put the word New Covenant. It said, in the New Covenant, it's time to be born again. Now, I think that's powerful when you start seeing the timeline, because what he's saying is that if you're living life in Ecclesiastes, you're living life under the heavens, and you're living life under the sun, then it's time to die. But if you're living life in the heavenlies, especially in the new heaven and the new earth, and you're living life not under the sun, but you're living life in the sun, S-O-N, then it's not time to die, it's time to be born again. As a matter of fact, the New Testament plainly declares, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. And you can go back to uh, one of the programs that I did in chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, also in the latter part of the 11th chapter of Revelation. We'll show you how that one of the things that happened in the shift from an old covenant to new covenant is that... Uh, you know, we're no longer under a covenant of death. Let me, let me quickly uh, uh, read this to you. I was reading this yesterday in my office preparing uh, to do this, and it's in Isaiah 28, and, uh, and uh, let me see if I can find it. It says, verse number 9, this is Isaiah 28, Who shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, and precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. 
For with stammering lips in another tongue will I speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing, yet they could not hear. So the stammering lips and another tongue is the rest wherewith he calls the weary to rest. Now, that tongues was given uh, to speak to this people. If you remember another place, he tells you that the tongues was for unbelievers. But in Peter, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost fell, he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. So the stammering lips and another tongue was to these unbelieving Jews to let them see that, listen, this, this season that all of this is supposed to occur is not way out in the distant future. It is happening right now. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken, and snared and taken. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. The overflowing scourge was the judgment of 70 A.D., this season when God had given them tongues as the refreshing, and there was a whole group of believers that received this, and Acts chapter 2, and within about 30-some years, now the overflowing scourge was coming. God was about to disannul their covenant with death and their agreement with hell. The old covenant was called the administration of death written on stone. The good news is, is that when the overflowing scourge came, that what would happen was he would pass through and it would come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge. See, one of the problems in First Thessalonians is because they had, didn't have a love for the truth that they might be saved. So they had made lies their refuge, and they said when the overflowing scourge comes, it's not going to touch us. They were crying peace and safety, but the sudden destruction came, and that this covenant with death was literally being disannulled, and their agreement with hell was literally uh, being uh, uh, done away with, and, and falsehood that they'd hidden themselves under, and their lies that they'd made a refuge were no longer hiding them. And then he goes on to say, For thus saith the Lord, behold, God, behold, I lay in Zion, for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Judgment also will I lay to the line and, and righteousness to the plummet, and, he, and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the water shall overflow the hiding place. Listen, folks, this is new covenant scripture that's touched. Behold, I lay in Zion. Jesus was the stumbling block, the rock of offense that he laid in Zion. Judgment then came upon that people, and even when you read back into the plagues that I've already taught about, the hail removed the refuge of lies, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, you shall be trodden down by it. Now, I'm telling you that on one side they had received the judgment of God uh, because they would not receive the redemption from this old covenant. God kept his end of the covenant bargain. But for those who are receiving their redemption, how now drawing nigh, and it's no longer a time for them to die. The covenant with death had been disannulled and they'd been brought into life and immortality. He brought to life eternity with God in the heavenlies. And then in the new covenant, again, there's a time to plant and then there's time to reap. Under the old covenant, it's time to plant. Jesus was planted. In the new covenant, we reap life. In the old covenant, it was time to kill because it was a covenant of death. In the new covenant, it's time to heal. Jesus came to heal the stroke of our wound. In the old covenant, it was time to break down 
tear down, pluck up. In the new covenant, it's time to edify or to build up. In the old covenant, it was time to weep. But in the new covenant, it's time to laugh. In the old covenant, it was time to mourn. But Jesus said in the new covenant, you're blessed if you mourn because you're about to be comforted. Uh, in the old covenant, it was time to cast away stones. I put in my notes to cast away the stones of the law. In the new covenant, it was a time to gather lively stones and fitly frame them together to build a habitation for God. Under the old covenant, it was a time to refrain from embracing. And the new covenant, it's time to embrace. There was folks that were not embraced that are now embraced. Under the old covenant, it was a time to lose. But in the new covenant, it's time to get. And the old covenant, it was time to cast away. And the new covenant, it's time to keep. And the old covenant, it was time to rend. And the new covenant, it's time to sow and to plant. And the old covenant, it was time to keep silent. In the new covenant, it's time to speak. Under the old covenant, it was, there was time to hate. In the new covenant, there's a new commandment that you love one another. It's time to love. In the old covenant, it was a time of war and a time of warfare. But in the new covenant, it's a time of peace. It's a gospel of peace. He has made everything beautiful in His time. What time is it? It's not the old covenant olam that keeps you from seeing that. It's the new covenant. I could say this boldly. If you are out of season, be instantly in season, out of season, and get in the season of God. Because the moment you step into a new covenant paradigm, you could drink of the water of life that will cause every tear to be moved from your eyes. And you will begin to step into a new covenant paradigm where your tears have been wiped from your eyes. And you can begin to rejoice. And you can not mourn any longer. I think it's powerful, hallelujah, that he says... Uh, uh, that you're blessed when you do that. In the old covenant, they said, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down, we hung our harps on a willow tree, and we wept when we remembered Zion. In the new covenant, you don't have to weep anymore because you've taken your harp down from the Babylonian weeping willow tree, and it's time now to rejoice and to sing and praise Him because now it's time to rejoice. The water of life freely God wiping tears from your eyes doesn't mean we'll never have a problem again, and yet there is greater unfoldings of these as we move into, uh, you know, move more further and further away from old covenant paradigms. But the reality of it is, this is something presently real to you right now. God wants to wipe the tears from your eyes. He wants you to bring you to the water of life without cost. It's free to drink of the water of life free. If you're out there today, man, and you don't know Jesus, come, drink of the water of life freely without cost. Uh, we've out of time. Take a moment to call that number on the screen uh, and uh, sow a seed into the ministry. If you can help us take the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of His grace around the world, we deeply and greatly appreciate it. We are doing a lot of stuff this year internationally, and we need your help to do that with television. Uh, the only way we're enabled to do that is through our partners. So if you'd like to become a partner with us, call the line today. Become a monthly partner, and we will deeply appreciate it. God bless you for joining us this week. God bless you. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.